This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Our show is all about the latest in mobile technology, things like smartphones and tablets, and the apps that make that whole world go. We've got a great program for you today. Later on, uh, we'll be uh, giving an update on our 5G experience. You know, all these cell phone companies saying that they've got the latest in 5G technology, makes your phone faster, the new iPhones are 5G compatible. Well, we'll tell you if it's working or not. Also, we're going to be chatting with uh, one of our uh, tech experts, Graham Williams, about HomeKit. HomeKit is a, uh, a smart home standard that all the Apple products and smart home devices uh, adhere to. So you can use your iPhone or your iPad to control your lighting and, and anything that's smart. But they have to be compatible with that standard. And not everything is. Graham has found a way to make everything work together called Homebridge. And we'll detail exactly what you need to do. And it's a lot simpler than you think. And we're going to open up our mailbag. We're going to take some questions. I love this. We have lots. Yeah. So if you go to our website, uh, getconnectedmedia.com, you can go and uh, ask questions. And uh, we'll pick some of the the best ones uh, to uh, answer every so often during our mailbag segment that we uh, have come up. Uh, and uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to our new contest. It's a new month, new contest. We're giving away a Pixel 4 XL smartphone. This is an awesome prize. From Google. From Google. Uh, Google Pixel phones are amazing. The cameras are awesome, especially in low light conditions. So, uh, you know, taking pictures at night uh, in a dark restaurant, the pictures come out amazing. So if you want a chance to win, getconnectedmedia.com. Hit the newsletter tab and all the instructions are there on how to enter. Let's talk about some of the news though now, John. There's some uh, interesting uh, stuff uh, happening. Facebook is launching a free-to-play cloud gaming. Surf- is it a service? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's getting into cloud gaming. Google, Sony, Microsoft with their Xbox. Of course, Facebook doesn't want to be left out. No, they don't. So what they've done is, you know, on Facebook, people have been playing games for a long time. Yes, Farmville. <laughs> That's right. We play that in the, aren't we playing it in the cloud already? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. But the, and the, the big thing about Facebook's solution is that it's not something else you have to buy. So the idea is that this, these are mobile games you can play on your, on your phone or on your computer. Um, you don't need to buy another controller or anything like that. And they basically have made a bunch of, I guess, AAA-level title games available to play mobily. But don't you need a controller? No. No, it's, it's meant for using your phone as the controller. Got it. So, um, so I mean, these are probably more casual games than anything. Yeah. Um, like there's a, there's a golf game. Uh, there's uh, some driving games, some puzzle games, like those kinds of things. And they're adding more all the time. And but For free, completely free. That's kind of the compelling side of things, right? Because Facebook is competing against all the other players, like Stadia from Google, um, Microsoft, and PlayStation. But aren't, aren't they a little late to the game? Like you're dealing with some behemoths, you know, like Sony and Microsoft with the Xbox. Those guys have been doing this, yeah, for a long time. But I think the the point there though is that they're targeting the casual gamer. Got it. Right. Yeah. The people that aren't going to be carrying around a, a Bluetooth controller with them on the bus, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you. I don't take the bus. Okay, but you do have a bluetooth controller i'm sure in your bag somewhere probably okay let's move on to some news stories here apple tv plus i'm excited about this john stewart is producing a new show with him in it 
a current affairs show. I loved The Daily Show when Jon Stewart was on it. That was one of my favorite programs. Every night I would tune in and it was awesome. So he's back, baby. Yeah, it's very exciting. And Apple TV Plus is starting to get all of these exclusives that are pretty pretty awesome content. You and I are both watching Long Way Up right now. Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman, the, the motorcycle journey. Uh, they've had two already, The Long Way Around, where they went around the world on their motorcycles, then The Long Way Down, uh, you know, from Scotland down to uh, the bottom of Africa. Now it's from the bottom of South America to L.A. On electric vehicles. <laughs> that is the, f- the best part for me. Yeah. Like... Everything you think could go wrong goes wrong. Yes. You know, because electric vehicles right now, I I mean, we both have one and they're awesome, especially in urban areas because there's chargers everywhere. But can you imagine South America? How many charging stations are there down there? There's a few more now because of this show. (laughs) (laughs) But not enough. So they're doing this trip uh, with uh, two electric Rivian trucks that... They're prototypes. They made them just for this show. Like they don't, they don't even have a production vehicles yet out. Uh, they're going to be competing against Tesla. And they've got two electric motorcycles. And I'm just laughing because they have to go, I think, 15,000 miles or something. And these things get a 100-mile range yeah. on one charge. Yeah. And then it takes them like seven hours to recharge, which is insane. But it, it's kind of funny, though, because like you said, we both have them. And it's the kind of range anxiety that we don't really have to worry about. That No. <laughs> that's the drama of the show is the range anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So as you can imagine, going 15,000 miles, and I don't know how they're doing more than 100 miles a day because if it takes like hours and hours to charge, like mm-hmm. how far are you going to get? Yeah. Anyway, it's a fascinating show available on Apple TV Plus. And yeah, I think we're in a golden age of TV. I thought we were before. Uh, but now with all these streaming services, they're just making some really good stuff. Yeah. What's your favorite streaming channel now? Um, well, probably Disney Plus because The Mandalorian is back. <laughs> You're all about the now. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about something that Graham has whipped up called HomeBridge that allows all your smart devices to work on your Apple iPhone, no matter if it was compatible or not. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Let's talk about ecosystems in smart home technology and with digital assistants. There are different ecosystems. There's like the Amazon Alexa ecosystem. There's Google. And of course, Apple has its own world uh, as well. And today, we're going to be talking about HomeKit. And HomeKit is Apple's smart home technology to bring all these smart devices together. So uh, you would have that installed on uh, one of your Apple devices like your iPhone or your iPad. And from there, you can start adding compatible smart home gear, like smart lighting, smart water faucets, uh, what what have you. And it's it's exciting. Like Apple's done a great job. Uh, They've made it super easy to get these things hooked up. I I would say probably easier than most other platforms. And it, it all works nicely through the app and you can use Siri as well. I would agree, but... The problem is not everything is HomeKit compatible. No, no. <laughs> but, and that's the world we live in. Right. But our friend Graham has a solution for that. So Graham, let's talk about HomeKit. You are an Apple guy through and through, and I, I know your house must be totally HomeKitted, uh, so to speak. Uh, but you've got another way to, to make that all work using a Raspberry Pi computer. And we've talked about Raspberry Pis before. They're, the little hobby computers... Uh, that you can basically get for around 50 bucks. 
and do all kinds of things. Like I've built a home media center out of out of this. You can build robotics. And you've made a home kit thing out of it. Can you explain, Graham? Yeah, so seeing that I'm Apple to the core is uh, more than just a pun. It's, it's absolutely the truth. And having things in the house that are not HomeKit compatible uh, was never really something that I wanted to do. But in a lot of cases, you know, there are folks out there who are making some cool things and they just they haven't gone through the Apple certification process uh, yet or possibly ever, which means that you don't get to use that cool thing. So HomeBridge is sort of the thing that, uh, that actually bridges the gap here. And so the way that this works is, is it is a piece of software that can run uh, on a Raspberry Pi, it can run on uh, it can run on Windows 10 as an application. It can run on your Mac as an application. But the Raspberry Pi is great because it's this little you know credit card sized computer, it's the size of deck, deck of cards. Uh, I purchased a kit from Canakit, which has the Pi and a little plastic case and the power adapter for it. And so you basically can load this software onto a micro SD card. Uh, it installs in about two or three minutes. And the setup for your network is as simple as plugging it into your ethernet or running a quick Wi-Fi setup. And what this ends up doing is it takes all of those cool little non-HomeKit compatible things. So in my case, you know, actually sitting in front of me right now, I have Elgato Keylight Airs. They're, they're for you know, broadcast and, and whatnot. You can change the color of them. You can turn them on okay, and Just off. a second. You've got Elgato lights. I'm like I've got like $20 Amazon lights. Oh, you've got the El Ghetto. Yes. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> where, where did you get your budget from? <laughs> you notice how your budget line disappeared this year? Yes. You're welcome. Yeah. You're, uh, <laughs> you're awful. So uh, those those lights wouldn't work with HomeKit is what you're saying? It, they don't work with HomeKit. They work with the uh, Elgato Command Center, uh, which is cool. It's a little app that sits in your toolbar and in, in the Mac, and it's got its own app on uh, on on the iPhone. But uh, that's not great for me. I, I can't use Siri to control it. I can't put it in as part of a scene. Um, and so I, I started looking into this. I've also got a couple of lights upstairs uh, that are on my on my balcony uh, that are Google Home compatible but they are not uh, HomeKit compatible. They're from a company called SmartThings. And so, again, I started to investigate this. And so HomeBridge, uh, basically, once you've got it running on the Pi, it gives you a QR code or uh, a HomeKit ID that you can then scan. And uh, it will add that as a bridge uh, to your HomeKit setup. All of this took me about 15 minutes. Now, the cool thing here is there are a lot of folks out there like you and I that like to tinker with these things um, who have written plugins for this stuff. So there is an Elgato plugin. There is a, a Honeywell Home plugin for my heat pump. Uh, there is the uh, the SmartThings or a Tuya plugin is there actually the name of the company that makes it. And so inside the Homebridge software at the top, you'll see you know status, plugins, config. Uh, you just click on plugins, you search for the brand you're looking for, and you'll see all the plugins that have been written for it. And those plugins are the ones that we know work. They're verified. And so you click on that, you click install. Usually there's either like a login that you have to uh, you have to set up. But once that plugin is done, so with my key lights, all I had to do was put the plug in, and seconds later they showed up in HomeKit. I was able and to they pair this and, and they, they work. work. Pair those two together. I've got all of the colors that I can pick for all of the lights that are in there, um, and I can set the intensity. I can also set automations. So in the morning, you know, when I'm getting ready for my morning call with everybody, I can turn the lights on, have them come on gradually. I can even actually set them to change uh, color temperature. So it's almost like the sun rising first thing in the morning. So you get that that nice wake up feeling as opposed to, yikes! Here's the bright white lights on you right away. 
So, what we're talking about here right now is uh, for the different smart home ecosystems, Apple has their home kit, which is very specific to Apple stuff. And any smart home devices that want to work with it have to be certified by Apple and they have to be compatible with that. But there's a lot of stuff that's not uh, Ring devices, Google Nest devices. But using this computer, this Raspberry Pi and Homebridge software, you've been able to make them all work. That's right. Yeah. And so you still need a, uh, a home hub for your, your home kit stuff. So either your Apple HomePod, uh, you've got your iPads, you've got your Apple TVs. Uh, the new HomePod mini will also act as a home hub, which is great. Um, the best thing about this really is the cost. Um, you know, that Raspberry Pi, that Canon kit that I bought, which is a fully decked out kit with power supply, the computer, uh, the SD card, and the case was less than $100. Uh, and the cost for the software, absolutely free. So just so the listeners know, this little computer hooks up to a keyboard, mouse, and a monitor. And you would get that Homebridge software, which is free to download. And once you've installed that, is it pretty simple to make it work? Yeah. So here's the thing. I didn't even have to plug it into a keyboard, mouse, and a monitor. All I did was put the software onto the micro SD card, plug the, the, um, the, the Raspberry Pi in, put the card in there, which starts the, the Raspberry Pi up. The moment that it booted, it installed the software for me. That was that. So you don't the even keyboard. have it hooked up to a monitor. You loaded that software off, uh, uh, off the internet on another computer and put it on an SD card. That's correct. And so literally all I had to do, because there's a piece of software called Etcher that basically puts that operating system, and that's free as well, puts that operating system on that card. It boots up, you plug it into your network, and the network sees it. You can set the whole thing up over your network. So I've got this thing sticky taped to the back of my um, home theater setup, <laughs> right where the router is. Uh, and I haven't touched it. I literally plugged it in. It works. We, no we extra sh- steps. We should point out, I mean, this, this is a hugely cool find that Graham found. It, you don't actually need a Raspberry Pi to do this. You can run this, like you said at the beginning, on any pretty much any kind of computer. Raspberry Pi is probably the easiest way to do it because it's sort of a standalone, dedicated little box yeah. or little card, if you will. And it's just always on. It's just always on. Yeah. I, I have mine attached to my router, like literally sitting on top of. Okay. And um, so that's the fantastic because you, you manage it all through the app and or is there a web interface too, Graham? There is, yeah. So basically, once it's on your network, you put punch in the web address homebridge.local. That'll bring in your lo- bring up your login screen. You put in your user credentials. Um, I've actually got it set up with two-factor authentication so people can't mess around with my Homebridge stuff. You've got to have that, that time-limited code. Um, the reason why I, I liked it on the Raspberry Pi is because it does take resources to run. And so I don't want to worry about, is my, is my laptop home? Um, do, I no, do I no longer have control of those devices because my laptop's not home? Basically, putting this thing into your sort of network stack, you know, again, sticking it to your router, sticking it to the back of your home theater. Um, it, it, this is the fire and forget type of solution that I want from HomeKit. Now, I mean, ultimately we've seen Apple come a long way with uh, HomeKit certification. It used to be you had to have a special chip. Um, you know, they don't have that anymore. Um, they do have better security protocols than a lot of the other companies out there. Uh, and this does not break that security down. What it does do is it puts that security sort of in its own little walled garden behind your walled garden. So everything is still nice and safe, but you've got access to the services and products that you want uh, without having to, you know, one, wait for HomeKit compliance or two, God forbid, use Alexa or OK Google. And, and Graham, just for the listeners out there, what do you like about HomeKit compared to the other kind of smart home control systems? 
Honestly, it's the ease of setup. And this is kind of where Homebridge really, really shines for me is the fact that I can scan that code, or in this case, I can plug in, you know, install this plugin and it just pops up and it just works. Being able to have automations that make sense for me um, is sort of a, a big thing as well. Uh, I've got an automations that uh, turn on when nobody's here in the house. So basically once my partner and I, once we leave the house and our phones are gone, the house can see that we're gone. So it changes the settings based on that. If you've got music playing, you walk out of the house, the music's set to stop playing. Um, the, sort of the, the, the last piece of the puzzle here really does come down to that, that level of security and privacy. Um, you know, I'm not worried about Apple taking the information of all of the things that are going on in my house, then selling that to other people. I know that that's staying with me. So those, those few things, that sort of ease of use, the security and the privacy, that's kind of what stands out for HomeKit for me. And, uh, you know, they promised us that Siri will get smarter. <laughs> there are still times when I ask Siri to do things and I get the craziest of answers. So they've got some work to do in that space. But for the most part, it's a very smooth home experience and I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying it now thanks to the fact that I've got HomeBridge. Graham, are we going to get a, a, a blog up on our website to go through some of the details on this? Because we've gone through a lot here in this segment. You better believe we are. Okay, I need that by tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it yesterday, so I think we're good. Oh, good. I like, uh, I like Graham. He's like a time machine. <laughs> it's awesome. We've been talking all about smart home technology. And if you're in the Apple world, this is definitely something you need to know about. And it really then integrates every type of smart home device out there, whether it was compatible with the Apple world or not. And it sounds like it's pretty easy to set up. When we come back from the break, more uh, mobile talk, we're going to be chatting about our latest 5G experience. So the new iPhones are out, they're 5G compatible. Are we getting the speeds? You'll find out back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Still a lot more to talk about. Uh, Later on, we'll open up the App Show mailbag, taking some of your questions and we do get a lot of questions if you hit our website getconnectedmedia.com you can uh, you can reach out to us if you've got some uh, thoughts or questions you want us to answer on air that's the place to to send it let's talk about uh, 5g now you're going to hear more and more about that and you're going to be sick of it because <laughs> it's just all the talk you'll hear especially with all the uh, the cell phone carriers uh, promoting it uh, you know for their new phones 5g is the latest network technology for smartphones supposed to be faster not only in speed for downloads but lower latency meaning how fast things react to when you click on something on your smartphone so if you click on a link on your web page uh, on uh, on your smartphone uh, latency is how quickly that um, that signal goes out and react to that that click essentially so sometimes now uh, on my smartphone you know it might take a second or two to then start loading the web page the dream is with 5g it would be instantaneous that dream is not happening. No. So we have gotten the latest uh, iPhones from Apple, the iPhone 12 Pros and the iPhone 12s. Amazing. Uh, like, I love mine. I love the camera. Um, and so we've actually tested the 5G speeds again, and we've done this before on some other types of phones. And I know the carriers are rolling out more antennas in the urban centers. Uh, we're in the lower mainland of BC, Vancouver. And so they're starting to put these antennas outward into the suburbs. Uh, I live in a area called White Rock, South Surrey. And apparently there's an antenna out here somewhere. Yes. we. Well, I guess you're kind of in the Ocean Park area. Yeah. And we were, once again, at the pub. and <laughs> Well, that's where you test. Right mobile technology exactly and it's very scientific um but we were we were at the pub and in ocean park we had 
for the first time, full bars of 5G. So on your phone, up at the top there, it says 5G and how many bars, like how strong the signal is. And it said full. Yeah. However. We were disappointed with the speed test that we did. So there is a, a website you can go to, speedtest.net. And this will test how fast your internet connection is, whether you're on a mobile phone or a computer. And it's probably better if you get, actually get the app. There's an app, speedtest.net. Just look for that on any app store. You'll find it, uh, including the Mac app store and also on Windows as well. So let's give an, uh, just, it's hard for some people to grasp what, when we're talking these numbers, what that means. So home internet connections on average are how fast now? I think I have 300 megabits down. Yeah, but even then, like we know people that have 50 they yes. have like the basic internet package. I have about 650. Some people, you know, on TELUS, they have like the gigabit fiber. So Which is like a thousand megabits. Right. Or 960, I think is what. Yeah, way up there. Yeah. So that sounds like a big number and it sounds impressive. Um, and that's the thing with these sort of speed tests. They're really just a benchmark. Um, like we said before, we did some tests in downtown Vancouver and I was on TELUS with an LTE connection with the iPhone 11 Pro, you were on uh, TELUS with a 5G uh, Samsung phone. Yes. And it was very slow compared to my LTE connection. Again, because 4G, 4G yep. versus 5G, because we were pretty far from the 5G antenna. Um, but even driving from where I live in Port Coquitlam, you know, just east of Vancouver to where Mike is, which is south of Vancouver, when I have my phone connected to my CarPlay, I can actually see all the different towers that I'm connecting to. I can see, oh, I'm an LTE here. And I have like good bars. I'm on 5G. I have one bar or full bars, that kind of thing. And it's really sporadic. They're rolling this stuff out right now. But the biggest disappointment for us has been there, there hasn't been like this life-changing speed change. No, it's the same again. We did this test before, but we tried it on the new iPhones at the pub testing facility. <laughs> and so with 5G... How much were you getting download speed? I, I think the best I was getting was like around 400. Okay. But when we were downtown, I had like 550 on LTE. So you got 400 down on 5G. Yeah. That's pretty good. And but, I had full bars. Yeah. Uh, but with 4G, you're getting almost close to 500. Right. So it, if it, not the same, better. But just to put this in perspective, during the Apple keynote, they were saying that in the right circumstances, you could get up to 4,000 thousand megabits megabits down compared to 400 that you're getting so like almost 10 times faster yeah but that needs a very specific set of scenarios to happen and also in canada at least we don't have the same 5g antenna that the u.s carriers have on verizon i think so there is some differences there so i think that does affect the maximum throughput um but i was on Sh I, I, we tested my phone iphone 12 pro i'm on shaw LTE. LTE, 4G. Yeah. They don't have that 5G yet. No. Hurry up, Shaw. Um, but I was only getting 200 megabits down. And you were getting close to 500 on yeah. TELUS. So there's no question that TELUS's network is like way better. Based on our scientific pub testing. Take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. yeah. So that means it's not scientific, but. Right. But that's that's the thing. There, there, it's... It, I consider it to be more of a real real world test than running a benchmark tool. Yeah. Right. Um, but and and again, you know, what it depends on what you're doing with this technology too. Like, if you're just streaming YouTube, you're probably not going to notice it. 
if you're downloading giant files because you're doing video production, you'll notice it. Well, and that's the thing, John, right? Yeah. Like I would say 90% of people is not going to make a difference in their world. Not yet. Not yet. No. Because the other problem too is like you mentioned the the speed when you actually click a link. It depends on where you're clicking that link. And I'm going to bring it up again. If you're clicking on a GeoCities link, that's going to be slow. Facebook might be faster, but it depends on where that link lives yeah. and your distance to that server. So the you know the marketing pie in the sky ideal with 5g is that this will make everybody faster and 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 it'll eliminate the need to to be closer to that server for example for that speed to be better but we're just not quite there yet i think it's still very early days the carriers are you know looking to to um bolster their network have more of these antennas everywhere Uh, and when we do have that you know the the thing is at my house and at your house we both still don't have anything remotely close to 5G. We barely get LTE 4G. <laughs> yeah, in my uh, house, yeah. Yeah, but you go down a, you go down the street and it's full bars of 5G. Weird. It's very strange. So I guess what we're trying to say, 5G is still rolling out. I think we're another year or two away from more ubiquitous yeah. coverage. I, I think for the average person, that's not a selling point for you if you're looking to buy a new phone. Don't get it just because it's touting that it has 5G. That's interesting, right? Like, it, I guess it depends how long you're going to keep that phone. Yeah. Right? If you're keeping it for a year, it shouldn't factor in. If you're keeping it for three, four years, yes. That's something to think about. Maybe. Maybe. If you're keeping your this phone for three or four years, you're probably not the power user that 5G is going to help. So 5G is not even important at all. I don't think so right now. Yeah. But for the average person, you know. So you know, Telus and Shaw right now are ratcheting down our connections on our specific oh, phones. They're deleting our accounts. <laughs> yeah. No, make no mistake. I'm excited about 5G technology. Yeah. There's so many components to it. It's just not the download speed, right? So, in fairness, these guys. I mean, Canada is a big country, right? So they got to put antennas up everywhere yeah. uh, and and bolster up their existing infrastructure to make that happen. So, well, that and, takes time. And the government hasn't even decided what our infrastructure should be on 5G. Oh yeah, that's right. Right whole other conversation okay we're gonna have to take a break when we come back it's mailbag time we're gonna take your viewer questions you listen to the app show back after this you're back with the app show mike and john here we're gonna open up the app show mailbag if you want to ask us questions uh, and uh, we'll pick some of the best ones to answer on air we can't answer all of them we just get so many in getconnectedmedia.com there you'll also find uh, the latest uh, tech blogs videos and our contest, we're giving away a Google Pixel 4 XL. This is a, a large smartphone from Google. It's awesome. The camera is amazing. It's one of the best ones out there. And it's a fully native Android experience. If you want a chance to win this, go to getconnectedmedia.com, hit the newsletter tab, subscribe, and you're automatically entered to win. If you've already done this, you're, you're already in. You don't have to keep doing it. So that's the nice thing. Once you've entered in uh, to our newsletter, you are entered into all the contests this year. And you don't need our email address. No. (laughs) Just fill in the form. You'll get an email from us confirming everything is good. Okay, let's dip into the mailbag. The first one comes from Karen, and uh, she is asking about 3D printers. We actually did a great 3D printer uh, segment back a, a few episodes just talking about how 3D printers work and the apps that you need to actually control them. And they've come a long way, you know, over the years. They've, they're a lot simpler to use. Have they? 
Well, I think so. I, I used one a few years ago and it was like crazy and I've tried one in the past year. It was, it, I found it a lot easier. Yeah. The interface, the app. Okay, she asks, uh, the past weekend you were discussing 3D printers. I'm thinking of giving my 14-year-old grandson one for Christmas. What make would you suggest for a beginner? So I get this question a lot and the biggest suggestion I have is uh, Amazon sells uh, these. You can get them very quickly, like sometimes the same day. It's a Creality Ender 3. That is a perfect entry-level 3D printer, but it's also a really good printer even if you're more advanced. Um, I have a couple of them myself. They're workhorses. They I've used them for a couple of years now, um, but the big thing about them that I really like is that they're using all off-the-shelf parts. You can easily buy replacement parts. There's a huge community of people that have, um, have these printers that have problem solved with these printers they've made modifications for these printers you can extend it till the cows come home and there's a lot of uh, more advanced features you can get with like the pro version and the other ender models that are higher up but they tend to cost a lot more Um, during prime days for example this ender 3 was about 250 bucks the regular price is between you know 280 and 350 depending on sometimes you get some filament with it and that type of thing I, I'm just on Amazon right now, and there's like a lot of them. <laughs> so uh, it's from Creality. Cre- Creality. Just type in Ender 3, and they'll all come up. Yeah. yeah, and there's a bunch of different ones. Just sort it by price. Uh, it's all the same company. It's just different resellers that are selling it on Amazon. So if you have a Prime account, just get the, um, the one that will ship to you today or as soon as possible. Um, they do require a little bit of assembly. Um, you basically just have to... Uh, attach a couple of rods and some bolts and plug in some wires. They have a big poster that it comes with to, to assemble it. It's pretty straightforward. If you get stuck, there's like a million videos on YouTube about how to assemble it, but it shouldn't take you more than half an hour, uh, an hour at the most if you're a slow reader or slow video watcher, but it's it's pretty straightforward. And, and then it, it also comes with everything you need. It comes with all the tools you need. Like comes with a little toolkit, extra spare parts, uh, nuts and bolts, screws, um, Allen keys, all the all the works, that type of thing. And the other thing it comes with is uh, a micro SD card that actually has the software on it that you would use then to. Uh, we we call it slicing in three D printing. So you have to have a three D model. So say I wanted to three D print. Mike's mug, I need a 3D model of that mug. Once I have that model, and there's tons of places online you can get them, Thingiverse, thingiverse.com is where I go to for everything. Uh, there's millions of models there. You just type in what you're looking for and you can just download it. But the SD card that the Ender 3 comes with will have a couple sample prints on it that you can do just to make sure that everything's assembled properly. And they'll they walk you through it in the little poster that's included. So, and it also has for Mac and PC the slicing software that you would need. Uh, it's called Cura, and this is what you would load that 3D model file into. You would sort of decide how big you want it to be, how much infill, how much plastic to use, those kinds of things. And again, the software sort of holds your hand for that type of stuff, and just use the defaults if you're if you're stuck. And then it will create a file that you then put on the micro SD card. You hit print on the printer. And, you know, depending on what you're printing, it might take an hour, it might take 10 minutes. Um, and you'll you'll have a 3D printed object. Does it typically come with the, mat- the 3D printing material? What do, you, what do you call that? 
Filament. Filament, yeah. Does it come with that? It does not. Uh, you, you might get a small spool of it as sort of a, a sample. Uh, what I recommend when you're buying it on Amazon, uh, Amazon has a ton of different filament. The easiest material to print with as a beginner is PLA, polylactic acid. This is basically cornstarch that is also the same thing that uh, uh like beer cups and things like that are made out of. So it's recycled. Is, is it bi- biodegradable? It's biodegradable, but you can't just like put it in the backyard and it'll just dissolve. Like <laughs> it's not quite that biodegradable. Um, maybe in a hundred years. Um, maybe in five years. Okay. Yeah. But um, so get some PLA. Uh, you can, should be able to get a spool of that uh, for like 20 bucks on Amazon uh, and then you'll be happy. And it's for a beginner. It's for her 14 year old grandson. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, I, they're probably smarter than we are. <laughs> Well, they definitely are because I used to teach kids that age yeah. uh, 3D printing and they were always off to the races and they were doing all kinds of cool stuff. But yeah, no, this is, a, is it, the thing about this one that I really like is that you can see all the moving parts. So when you're assembling it, you understand how it all functions. Got it. And then when you're actually using it, you can learn about all that aspect as well. And that's the printer, uh, Ender 3 from... Creality. Creality. Okay, uh, once again... Giving away a Google Pixel 4 XL smartphone. Hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and the newsletter tab and all the instructions are there to enter. When we come back from the break, a little more to talk about in the world of apps. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Uh, We're still looking in our App Show mailbag. Got one more question here, John. Yes, Doug is asking for a password manager for Mac desktop and his iPhone. Uh, I also have an HP laptop to add to the request. Well, this is important. Uh, The better the password you have, the less chance you're going to get hacked. And, uh, you know, a lot of people use the same password for everything, and that's just not safe. However, you know, it's hard memorizing like a dozen different passwords for stuff like, you know, secure ones. So we've got a solution. Yes, so you can get one password. Um, you can get this on pretty much every platform, and that's what it's called: one password. One password, the number one password. Yeah, that's it. That's and it. You would install that on all your devices, and you create an account. Uh, I think there's a subscription or a, like a monthly fee, or I think you can also buy it for like a year at a time or that type of thing. But it's it's pretty low cost. But you know, it's kind of worth it though, isn't it, John? Like. A lot of people love password managers. Uh, me personally, I can't use them because I'm we're constantly playing with beta stuff that these tools don't work on properly. So I try not to use them, but um, I know a lot of people that do and they love it because it's very simple to use and set up and it works on pretty much all the different things you would, would have. Uh, I uh, for It's in US dollars here, so I'm not going to do the, the Canadian translation, but... Um, if you just want individual, it's, I think it's three bucks a month. And for a family, uh, five bucks a month. That's U.S. pricing. Yeah. So it's cheap like to protect the entire family when you y- think about yeah, it. Yeah, I think definitely that would be great for that, especially if you, if you share your accounts uh, within your family members. Oh, oh my God, yeah. So it yeah. works for Mac, iOS, Windows, Android, Linux, and uh, Chrome OS as well. So it pretty well will run on everything but that's out there. Your, your Chromebook, for example, that's an interesting edge case. Okay, let's... Thank you, everyone, that helps put the show together. John, of course, my uh, co-host, and he's uh, one of our producers. And, of course, Christina as well that helps make all the magic magic happen and the rest of the, uh, the folks back at the farm. See you again next time. 
You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.